Welcome to the Black Mystic Podcast, a place for open and ongoing conversations with people of the BIPOC community. In these conversations, we discuss everything from spirituality, creativity, personal development, and more. I'm your host, Marquita, a wellness advisor and online spiritual business manager by day and a mystic all day, every day. For more information, visit MarquitaOchoa.com. You can also find me on Instagram at The Black Mystic Podcast. As you tune into these conversations, remember that you are sovereign. You have your own wisdom and your own information. Take what resonates with you and leave the rest. Enjoy the show. Have you ever heard of the term, the money wound? How about the black money wound? My next guest, Laren Alta, dives into the black money wound and how we can work towards healing this wound. Laren Alta is a mystic, medicine woman, and spiritual mentor with over 20 years of experience helping you to live in your soul's purpose. As creatrix of Black Girl Mystic, she leads master classes, workshops, retreats, and one-on-one intensives in person and online to help you embody wealth, ease, and freedom. One more thing before we get to it. You may hear Laren's fur baby in the background, so please forgive the sound, and I hope you enjoy the show. Laren, I just want to welcome you to the Black Mystic Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to just hop on and, and chat with me about the Black Money Wound, and I was so excited when you emailed me that that's what you wanted to discuss, because at first I said, you know, we can talk about healing the money wound. But when you said healing the black money wound, I was like, wow, that is so that's so powerful. And that definitely hit a nerve for me, a good nerve and gave me a lot to think about. So before we hop into that topic, I want to know how have you been these past two years and tell me a little bit more about where you've landed over these past two years, because I know that you are not in the States right now. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and have this conversation with you. I, how have I been these last two years? It's been rough. It has been rough. I talked to my stepsister the, the other day and she's like, are we in a new dimension? What is happening? Are, are, are we in a new reality? I'm like, yeah, girl, we are in a new reality. Um, which I'm still figuring out, right? I feel like so much has been upside down, turned upside down and inside out. And um, my spiritual practice and, and relationship with the unseen world, I think is the through line. Other than that, I don't know about any of this other life stuff. I don't know. I'm still wrapping my head around how it all works. Um, and I have landed in Kigali, Rwanda, which is where I live right now. I've been here for the last nine months and I decided to move here because I really liked the way they were handling the pandemic. They've had less than 1,500, 1,500 deaths in the entire country from COVID since the beginning of the pandemic. And they were playing no games. Uh, the, the president took it very seriously and, I needed to be somewhere where the government actually cared about its people. And as an American, that was not the experience I was having. So I actually was living in Mexico when COVID struck. Then I was in Oakland and I went to Seattle and uh, where I'm from. And then I was like, I got to go. <laughs> and so then I came to Rwanda. 
Wow. So, so as a, as a black woman in Rwanda, what does that feel like? Like I've always wanted to know, cause I've been in the States all of my life. You know, of course I've been on vacation. I've stayed overseas for a couple of months, but what does it feel like to be in Africa as a black woman? Oh, my favorite thing is, is leaving my house and seeing melanin everywhere and not having to negotiate blackness. Like it's not even a thing. I just love being engulfed by and surrounded by blackness and melanin and um, it feels good. So I've been, I've been previously, I've been to Ghana, I've been to Togo, South Africa, Morocco. My dog is in the background. If you hear her crying, this is <laughs> my 15 year old poodle. Yeah. So it feels good to be here. And, and Rwanda is, is a, is it's a it's a country in its own rebuilding since the the Tutsi genocide in the in the mid 90s. So it's been very intentional about the kind of country it wants to be, the kind of place it wants to become, and it wants to be uh, the Singapore in terms of like tech development and intellectual resources of Africa. And so it's it's been great just being in a country where the president has such integrity. I watched an interview where he was saying um, some European, I think he was British, CNN interview was like, you know, what do you think about something? Like, I can't remember what the topic was, but it was something about like how the West is addressing something. And, and the president was like, I don't pay attention to the West. I have my own country to run. I'm not interested in what y'all are doing. And I was like, this is why I'm here. This is exactly why I'm here. He's a man of his own um, for his own people. And so for me, I, I want every Black American to be able to experience the kind of peace that's here. Rwanda is the cleanest, greenest, and safest country on the continent of Africa. And it really is. It's not just PR. And I don't think Black Americans, we don't even know that in, what that feels like in our nervous system to actually be safe, to not yes. have to look over our shoulder, to not have to be thinking about the police. Um, so I want that for every black American. I want that for all of us, even if for a short period of time, just to exhale and not have to be on edge. Yeah, that's, it, it's, it's almost like, um, yeah, I was talking to a girlfriend about, you know, like trauma being engraved in our DNA. And sometimes I wonder like, in my in my own mind, do black people know what it feels like to actually feel safe and feel held at all times? And that may, that also relates to the money money wound as well. And it's like, you know, we are, it's engraved in our DNA to always be looking over our shoulders. We feel like we're always being watched. And, you know, I've had a couple of girlfriends say, you know, we can't have anything, you know, as Black people. And one of those things being money. So can you talk a little bit about that? Just not feeling safe when it comes to money and that wound. Yeah, well, the one thing is I don't say anything I don't want to affirm because our words are firm. So I don't ever say we can't have anything or we can't have anything nice because I don't think that's true. Uh, I think we can and we are and we have and we do. It's a really about a, a reframing of, of that. And to remember that our DNA predates enslavement. Our DNA predates genocide. Our, pre, our, our, our DNA did not arrive, you know, 
when we got to the shores of the United States. Our DNA is much older, much wiser, much richer, much stronger, much more resourced than that. And for our ancestors to be able to survive the last 400 years, they had to dream and wish and conjure and manifest us into being and for their own survival. So I think it's dangerous when we start affirming things based on the limitations of capitalism and white supremacy, because they're all illusions, right? Like they're all man-made and our soul's DNA is much richer and longer than that. Like our soul is God-made, divine-made, creator-made, however you want to name it. And all of those institutions and structures are man-made and man isn't as powerful as the divine. So we got to remember who's actually in charge and realign to that. And that's where the abundance comes from. Like abundance doesn't, and wealth and, and healing the money, black money wound doesn't come from learning how to be a great capitalist, like or beating the game of capitalism. It comes from resourcing beyond capitalism. I guess what I'm seeing a lot online is a lot of folks are struggling to, to figure out what does that look like to resource beyond capitalism? Well, it's not online. That's the first, that's the first answer. It's not on, it's not in an algorithm. It's not in a website. It's not, it's not in a social media platform. It's not, a, it's not a bite-sized thing. It's, it's in our DNA, as you said, right? So it's, it's, it's in prayer. It's in meditation. It's in devotion. It's in nature. It's in breath. It's in our ancestor work right? It's in surrendering to something bigger than us and trusting that instead of appearances. There are so many of, I, I was just talking to a friend about this uh, earlier today about you, the appearances of social media, how deceptive it is, how deceiving it is, because it's, it's not reality. It's all smoke and mirrors. People show you what they want you to see, even the spiritualists of us, right, who are online with whatever are the, the markers that we think are communicating spirituality, whether it's incense or candles or waterfalls or beads or whatever, yoga, whatever we think it is the hot thing of the moment. None of that has anything to do with anything that mm -hmm. has actual anything to do with the divine or mysticism or spirituality. Like, it, it's not something that you can buy and sell. Mm -hmm. And so when we have to remember, like our spirits can't be commodified. When we remember that, that's when we can really start not only healing the money wound, but like remembering our wealth resources that have nothing to actually do with money. Yes, money is part of it, but it's not. What the, and this is why I talk about specifically healing the black money wound for folks who were the ancestors whose ancestors were enslaved, because it's a very specific conversation when your ancestors were bought and sold for money. Yes. That's a very different conversation than just being like, than having ancestors who bought and sold people, right? Mm -hmm. That's a different, that's a different access to money. Money means something in differently when your parents were bought and sold, when your siblings were bought and sold. When there was, when you could be quantified, when there could be a money number put on your head, that's a different wound to heal than just saying affirmations, right? Man, <laughs> I, I, I so feel that. And I guess one of the things that attracted me to you is when I was watching you online is that I never really heard someone that looks like me talk about this. 
And mm -hmm. if it is someone that looks like me that talks about this, it's like they are using a whitewash blueprint that just doesn't mm -hmm. resonate with me. So mm -hmm. when you had mentioned that we were once currency, I'm like, well, why? Yes. Yes, we were like, this isn't being discussed enough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all I'm seeing and hearing is, you know, the, the slavery story played over and over and over again. It's like, we, I, I understand that this is something that happened and that's horrible, but of course, this is something that we'll never forget, but how do we, how do we heal this? How do we flourish? How do we live in abundance? You know, not just, you know, sticking to our rituals, which are great and affirmations, but it's like, you know, I, I need more than that. I need to put action behind those affirmations. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I really appreciate that perspective that, that you come with and just reminding us of like where we come from and that we, our ancestors were currency. So it, it goes deeper than affirmation. So I really appreciate that. Absolutely. And, and our ancestors were, but, and then the one, their ancestors, but even before that, we're, we're trading beads and cowrie shells. Like it wasn't even about money, right? It was like they were rooted in an awareness of abundance because life is abundant. The planet is abundance. Everything, we live in an ever expanding universe. There is all, literally there is more than enough of everything on the planet. It's just when we, when we embed ourselves in capitalism, which we are in capitalism, right? I'm not saying don't pretend that that's not true. But when we, when we are embedded in capitalism and find our value inside of capitalism, that's when the danger is. Because capitalism, the whole way that capitalism survives is by, based in scarcity, is based in not enoughness, is based in uh, the haves and the haves nots. And so if we don't, re if we think that that capitalism is ever going to give us the thumbs of approval, thumbs up of approval, we have misplaced our power. We have to reclaim our power and remember that it has nothing to do with capitalism, despite the hypnotism of capitalism, right? Like it's people say, charge your worth. You can't, you're invaluable, right? You can't charge your worth. That's one way of, of buying into the myth of capitalism. You, there's no, it's literally impossible to charge your worth or to be able to charge your worth. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not it. So you have to remember that your worth is infinite. Your worth is invaluable. Your worth is sacred. Your worth is divine. Then you can, you know, figure out what you want to charge and feel good about, but it has to be unlocked from the idea that capitalism can tell you your value because it cannot and it will not ever. I love that. And I think that is programming that I'm personally still working through. And some of the folks in my community, you know, we're, we're not enough. We can't charge our worth. We need to discount things in order to be seen, felt, or heard. So what advice would you give or a step or two that someone can take to release that programming of capitalism? The first part is realizing that the action is the last step. The, the action is what happens once you are aligned with who you actually are, that the action comes because, for example, I have friends with hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank with hundred thousand dollars salaries who are afraid to spend money, are afraid to invest in themselves, are afraid to, because, and that is also a money wound. So when I talk about the money wound, it has nothing to do with the actual amount of money that you have. You can have hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can be broke as a joke. 
that's the, and that's part of what I mean. It's not the capitalism is not going to measure your value. You have to know internally that how, who you are. And so that is part of it. It's like, um, unlearning the idea that we are the determination of our value. In, in other words, even the spiritualists of us, right? And so it's like anchoring into the higher power, what God, source, creator, whatever name you use, it doesn't matter to me, but anchoring into that and remembering the qualities of that, right? Remembering the qualities of that and that you are an emanation, an expression of the divine. And so if the divine is abundant, you are abundant. If the divine is infinite, you are infinite. If the divine is all powerful, you are powerful, right? Like you have to tap into something, but if it's only begins and ends with you and, and you as a practitioner, as a healer, as a teacher, as a light worker, shadow worker, and you're like, I have to do this for this. It's coming from a very finite, limited place. And so it's not about the action. It's not actually about how much you charge. It's not out actually about the doing. It's about the being. It's about the embodiment of it. And that's a practice. That's a practice of surrender. Surrend surrendering to the bigger you, the bigger expression of you. And when you can do that, then you can receive what is available for you. It all sounds very esoteric, which is why I'm glad that we're on the Blackness podcast, because it's very <laughs> theoretical, right? It's, this isn't, there's no checklist. There's no hack. There's no quick fix, right? This isn't, this isn't like a, this is a spiritual process. Spiritual stuff is intangible. It's about the being, not the doing. The doing is capitalism. The being is the soul. And so this is about the surrender. And I think so many, because, you know, people in this, I'm a, I'm a woman of a certain age, right? So I grew up pre-internet. I was born pre-internet, pre, I was raised pre, before internet ever was invented. And so I, I didn't come to this from a Google search or from finding a hashtag, right? This is feet on the ground, 10 toes down embodiment. And I think part of the disservice that the internet does is it thinks that it's, it becomes very cerebral. It becomes very in your mind, but spirituality is an embodied practice. It's, it's not based on, again, an algorithm. And so if we can shut down the screens, turn off our computers, unplug and go put our feet on the earth, sit our butts on the earth, put our feet in the ocean and breathe, we will have more downloads and insights and ahas and revelations than if we're scrolling through TikTok trying to find a spiritual practitioner to give us some insight, right? <laughs> so it's, it, this is, I think we have to remember that the roots of the work have nothing to do with a screen. And then we can share if we want via screen or use technology as a tool. But I think what we've, we're doing now more than anything is Technology is using us. It's not actually becoming a resource. And we need to remember who we are outside of technology. I love that. You know, I was born before the internet and before all of these things that were created. Uh -huh. And I'm finding that, you know, before when I was, you know, getting into my business and the marketing game, I was downloading every hack, every checklist, every resource guide. And I'm like, none of this means anything if I don't understand the root of who I am and the work that I'm here to do. That's right. And 
I feel like, yes, the internet can be a, a great resource, but it shouldn't be something that you completely rely on. And I feel like my best ideas, my best resources have come from nature when I'm sitting on the ground, when I have my feet in the water, when I'm there meditating and I'm getting more downloads than I have ever received from a, you know, get rich quick guide, you know, <laughs> exactly. I've done it all. I've downloaded it all. Like I'm not ashamed to say it. And, you know, everything that I have and everything that I have learned have been from, you know, connections that are off of the internet or, mm -hmm. you know, from source. So um, mm -hmm. I really appreciate you saying that. I know that you have the Black Girl Mystic and you have the mm -hmm. Black Girl Mystic podcast, which when you reach out to me, I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like our podcast <laughs> are kind of similar, like this feels aligned. So tell me a little bit more about uh, Black Girl Mystic and the things that you cover in your community. Yeah. So Black Girl Mystic is about, it started out as a podcast. This is how it started. Mm -hmm. I Well, let me even back up before it started. I've been doing healing work as a practitioner for over 20 years, like 22 years. And so it started out in person. I went to Spelman College, which is a historically Black all-women's college. I started out doing all-women's monthly healing circles in college. And then I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I grew my practice and grew my work and my skill set and all of this. And then I brought it online and I've been doing it online and offline since then. And then in the summer of 2020, the world and the United States was transforming in major ways. And I realized that I was not interested in centering or not even centering, but not, I was no longer interested in not centering blackness in my work. And so I, because I had clients, Asian clients, white clients, black clients, I had all kinds of clients. And I was like, mm, it's time to center me and the people I want to talk to in my work. And so I started the Black Girl Mystic podcast. That was the divine guidance I was given to center and interview black women, femmes, and non-binary folk who are spiritual teachers, healers, leaders, and light workers. And so that's who I started interviewing people in my community, my mentors, my friends, my colleagues who are spiritual workers across the spectrum. Some who are sex workers, some who are medicine folk, birth workers, all kinds, all kinds. Um, and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do for my whole business. Because I just, after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's murders, I didn't have the tolerance to talk to white women about much. I just didn't have it. And so I was like, okay, this is, these are the conversations I want to continue. And so that's what I really started focusing on and centering. And I got the message that yes, the spiritual work. And so there's like over 30 episodes centering black practitioners. Um, but it was also like exactly what you just said. It's time to talk about money. It's time to talk about wealth. It's time to talk about abundance. It's time to talk about it from a place that we get to enjoy it, that we get to. So it's uh, Black Girl Mystic is about embodying soul wealth and create normalizing wealth, ease and freedom for Black women, femmes and non-binary folk. And because it's we know how to work hard. Many of our elders and ancestors taught us how to work hard. And I think pre-enslavement, they know how, knew how to enjoy it even while working hard. But but something happened where we learned how to work hard for survival 
and not to just enjoy the process. There became some disconnects there. And so part of the work is in healing the black money wound is how do we receive what's available to us? Because I believe that abundance is our inheritance and wealth is our birthright and enjoy it. Not until we retire. I'm not this hustle grind culture, not earning. There's a you know popular podcast called Earn Your Leisure, not earning your leisure, but being leisurely and making money. Like that's, that's what I believe. Enjoying it. How, what, and whatever that means for you, leisure, luxury, ease, whatever that means for you and really centering that in my work. And what I found is not only are not a lot of black folk and black spiritual people talking about it, but spirituality and money have been so separate for so long, especially for black folk. Like we're taught money is dirty. Money is bad. It's bad to be greedy. It's rude to talk about money, right? Like we're taught, we're like, you don't want to be one of those people who's like braggadocious. Like you don't also don't want to leave other people behind. So it, there's so many messages that we have embedded in ourselves around money. I think particularly from enslavement and being have our having our ancestors uh, being sold for capital. That there's so much to heal, but there's so much wealth there because we know how to serve, but I'm interested in how do we share our gifts without struggling or suffering or sacrifice? I really love that. And, you know, I, I was also thinking about, as you were talking, how, when, you know, another black woman sees another black woman with a nice bag or a nice car, and it's like something automatically goes off inside of their heads. Like, what did they do to deserve that? Or, what did they do? What did they do to get that? And over time, I realized that it is a it's a money wound, and it fills me up to see a woman, you know, living in luxury. Like it's it's reaffirming, it's encouraging, and you know, I wish that my people felt more more of that, felt more that way. You know, just naturally happy for one another. That you know, we are living in abundance. Absolutely, I think it it also depends so much on the environment that you were raised in or what was normalized for you, right? Like that's because that's not my experience at all. But I also grew up in a very class stable family surrounded by other black families who were class stable. And so many, many, and that was very intentional. Um, I come from multi-generational class stability. So the fact that like my primary care doctor growing up was a black woman on purpose. My mom chose that. My dentist was a black man on purpose. My family's accountant was a black man on purpose. So I grew up surrounded by black people who not only were successful, financially successful, but were also creating education and support and resource for other black people. And so I think it, we have to change what's normal because what you just shared isn't actually everyone's experience, isn't actually everyone's Black experience. And when we expand what Black can be, right, then we start to, to get more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Then it's not those Black people over there, but it can be like, we can all experience that. Like we can all experience it. We're not all starting at the same place. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not all starting at the same place, but that doesn't mean it's only available to certain people or some people. We have to be able to 
trust that it's available for us as well. So if someone were to join your Black Girl Mystic community, what what could they expect if they were, you know, looked at your website and said, you know, hey, I'm really interested in being part of Laren's community. I want to learn more about the Black Money Wound and how to live in ease. What can they expect? The first thing I would invite everyone to do is join um, the Black Femme Wealth Week Abundance Activation. It's a five-day audio course where I talk about um, abundance and ancestry and alignment and attunement and activation. And it, it's really reframing the conversation around wealth and abundance and, and embodiment. Um, that's the first thing, because we need to be in the same conversation about what it really means. And then there's all kinds of programs. I'm offering all kinds of things all the time. Last weekend, I just closed um, a two-day workshop called Mother Wound, Money Wound, mm -hmm. which really looked at the relationship between our mother wound and our money wound and how to heal it. Because there's, especially in the Black community, it's so taboo to talk negatively, to challenge, to critique, to, to you know, anything our mothers because of the sacrifices and the sufferings of our ancestors and our mothers, right? But that can get really unhealthy. <laughs> that can get really dangerous, especially if we grew up with a single mother or a mother who was a primary provider, right? Then we start to, we, we can, not always, but we can equate the mother as the provider instead of God as the provider, instead of source as the provider. And we have to remember who the real source is. Our mother is not our source. Our job is not our source. Instagram is not our source, right? The email list is not our source. Right. None of these things. But we have to put the source for supply in its right place. And when we can start to do that, we can start to heal the money wound. Like they do go hand in hand. If there's a money wound, if there's a mother wound, there's a money wound. And they and so healing it. So people can expect to do deep work. I'm not good at superficial stuff. I'm not good at just doing um like I said, hacks, quick fixes, any of that. I'm, we're going to get to the root of whatever's ailing you because there's also where the medicine is. The medicine is there. We, you know, people talk a lot about like, um, the, the DNA, the healing, the trauma that we carry, but we also carry medicine and we need to learn how to resource that and how to rely on that and how to embody it. And so that's what you can expect from me. It's a lot if of you want to go deep. <laughs> I love that. There's no other way to go, in my opinion. Yeah. So where can folks find you if they want more information to, uh, you know, be connected to you on the, um, the interwebs? Blackgirlmystic.com. You can always find me there. And if you want to join Black Femme Wealth Week Abundance Activation, it's a free five-day uh, experience. You can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Wealth Week with capital W E L T A capital W E A L T H capital W E E K. I think it's case sensitive, so mm -hmm. um, that's where. But I'm and I'm I'm really taking a step back from Instagram. I used to love Instagram when it was fun, mm -hmm. but now I feel like I'm trying to, or the expectation is to try and tap dance for a algorithm. Ooh. And <laughs> I don't have the energy. I'm like, if I'm not going to tap dance and bend over backwards for satient breathing human beings, 
how on earth, why on earth would I do this for an algorithm? I'm not going to do it. So I love Instagram, but I'm temporarily on hiatus until I feel like it gets itself together. Um, and really though, really, I want to, I want to start connecting with people again in person. And so part of me is, um, I'm planning very soon in the next month or so, hopefully to relocate back to the United States, at least for part of the year, um, and to be based in Los Angeles. So then I will start doing workshops and events and in-person things, because that's my favorite way to connect with people eye to eye and face to face and heart to heart. Like that's where the root of my gifts are based. And that's the root of my medicine is like really holding energy, conducting spaces, holding a sacred space in person. I love that. I will fly to you, Laren. I'm in Arizona. <laughs> yes. I definitely be there for that. I, I, so I'm a total introvert, but I'm an extrovert with the right people and the connection has to be right. And even I yes. miss community because, you know, when the pandemic happened, I was like, great, I already know how to stay in the house. But, <laughs> you know, my my husband is an extrovert and he said even the pandemic did something for him. He's like, I kind of feel mm. like I have to get that get that back. So I'm in a stage where I'm like, okay, I want community, but the right community, not just that's right. any old body. So that's where I'm at. So let me know. You can count me in. I will thank you. I will fly there. Um, but that's amazing. Like just the thought of being around other other black women that are doing the work, like it just the thought of yeah. that me up. So um I'm so excited thank for you. that and I'm so excited for you. Um, I totally understand the whole Instagram thing. That's why I've been super duper quiet. I'm not on there unless I have something to say and then I get mm -hmm. off. Because mm -hmm. it just reminds me of like the whole the whole tap dancing that you mentioned. It's like I tap danced in corporate. I left corporate for a reason. I'm not doing that online. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I would love to have you, so I will definitely keep you posted. And um, exactly. I'm not tap dancing for I that's interesting that you said that I hadn't thought about it that way, but maybe it's social media is trying to like corporatize engagement, like trying to Mm. Yeah, it's like I gotta mm. be there. I have to be there to make money. You know, I have to be Ugh. there to be seen. I have to be there to climb to climb the ladder. And it's just I remember when I was on Instagram heavy a lot and it kind of I you know, I, I took a week off and I did some reflecting. I'm like, okay, it feels like a lot of pick me, pick me, choose me. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Peter, you need to choose yourself mm -hmm. offline and just post when you have to. And the best connections are offline anyway. You know? That's right. That's right. Oh. And, and I don't think you're the only person who misses in-person connections because I'm also an introvert and had a very similar response. I was like, Oh, I get to stay in the house. I literally have a t-shirt that says I liked it better when outside was, was closed. <laughs> like I, you know, like I, I love staying home, but, but I have reached my capacity. You know, like I'm, I'm past the point where it's cute. Now I'm like, <laughs> I need hugs. I need eye contact. I need to feel your energy. I need to be in the sacred space with you. I need to like hear your laughter. I, I need to do it. So I, and I don't think we're the only ones. I think that there's a calling that's out there and I know that this is my gift. So I think it's time for me to come back out of the introvert closet and come back into the world and hold spaces for us to gather 
where the mystics gather. Well, maybe that's what I'll call it. Okay. I'll, I'll be absolutely <laughs> amazing. I, I love that. That just, that just has a ring to it. There you go. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Marquita. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. This is where it was birthed right here. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for your time. It was really an honor to, to just have you. And I, I so appreciate you and the work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you, Marquita. I'm so appreciate you and I'm look forward to connecting with you in person. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this episode supportive. I want to remind you that you are love and you are safe to be seen as you are. See you next time.